Can you remember the last time you were on a farm? Probably not. And if you're like me, it's definitely been a while. But now imagine yourself on a beautiful farm. You have a wise old farmer named Lorenzo Candelaria giving a lesson on how the turnips are grown on the farm. Next, you're teaching a cooking class using those same ingredients from the farm. And at the end of the lesson, you're eating a great meal, feeling good, and building relationships with people from your community. Now at this point, you have to tell yourself to wake up from this dream. Or do you? Well, turns out, this can be a real thing. And on today's episode, we get to hear from... My name is Fallon Bader. I'm a registered dietitian, and I'm the owner of a business called The Sprouting Kitchen. On how she went from an idea of connecting people to food and turned that idea into her passion and work. I think in that moment I realized, all right, this is this is what I want to do. I want to bring people to farms where we can learn about how food is grown, learn from the farmer, and then I can kind of interweave the nutrition and cooking aspect of it all while we're on a beautiful farm outside and just kind of enjoying that environment. I'm Jason Park, and this is Dietitians Unknown. By the time this episode is published, it'll probably already be like after New Year's or like close to New Year's. So I guess my my question to you is, are you kind of like a a New Year's resolution type of person? Uh, And if so, like, have you been thinking about any resolutions or goals for for 2022? Ooh, um, you know, I my more like business way. Like I'm really trying to plan out all of 2022, like a big picture kind of like overview of what the year is going to look like, which I haven't done in the past. Mm. Um, so that feels like really kind of nice and organized, which feels really good. (laughs) Yeah. So most of your goals are, um, sounds like it's centered around like your business. Do you have any, like, I don't know, do you have any personal goals? (laughs) do you have any life outside of your business? (laughs) No, no, no. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, yeah, I definitely do. I think that I would like to get up earlier, (laughs) which would allow me to do more like creative writing. It's something I really want to work on. Nice. Um, and I would like to ski a lot this winter. I'm not a big like year goal person. I just want to do my hobbies more, which I I'm always figuring out how to do more of. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. I, I, I'm not uh, a resolutioner either. Um, I think it's kind of silly that I mean, like, to be fair, like there's no I don't have anything against anyone who, you know, I think it's great that people want to set goals and like you know, better themselves in, in a positive way. Um, but totally. it's just, I just find it like, why do you have to wait till like right. <laughs> brand new year? But, um, I guess it works for some people, right? It's like a, you know, clean slate, you know, we're gonna new year, new me, I guess. Um, yeah. but I'm always like new year, same me. <laughs> yeah. Just more pressure. Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, thanks for divulging into some of my curiosities. So I guess the first question 
that would be a good place to start would be just to kind of hear about your background and why, you know, why nutrition was important for you and kind of what led you to a career path of dietetics. I think for me, it really began when I was applying uh, for undergrad to go to college and I had to choose a major (laughs) and I realized that I liked science, health and food. Uh, And I didn't really even know like what nutrition was as a major or a career. Uh, And I kind of just honestly fell into my lap. I got kind of lucky in that way that it encompassed my interests and uh, went for it and decided that I, you know, really enjoyed it. So I, I did my undergrad and then I went straight into doing a dietetic internship to become a registered dietitian. uh, And that was in um, Ithaca, New York, which is a really, really amazing little town in upstate New York that uh, has a really, really rich local food community. Um, which I didn't really have that experience prior to being in my internship. Uh, And I just loved like going to the farmer's market and meeting farmers. And part of my internship, uh, part of my community rotation was to uh, help with a seed to table program. And uh, yeah, during that, that program, I noticed that some of these kids, they were, you know, they would pick produce from the garden and then we would cook with them. And I realized that these kids like knew way more about growing tomatoes or really anything <laughs> like that than yeah. I did. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up in suburbia, New Jersey and didn't really have much knowledge of where food comes from or growing it or anything like that. So I was really intrigued and wanted to learn more, uh, which led me to my next step on my journey, which was I did an AmeriCorps program. Uh, called Food Corps, where you work with schools to incorporate school gardens and cooking and nutrition into the schools. Um, And that's what actually brought me out here to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I did Food Corps for a year here, and I actually did it for a year in Hawaii, which was really amazing. I wound up moving back to New Mexico. I worked as an outpatient dietitian for about a year and a half here. Uh, And it it was good experience getting the outpatient uh, experience, but I kind of always knew that I wanted to combine my nutrition education knowledge with the side of me that had learned so much about local food and and meeting farmers and like just how rich that experience was. Uh, And and what kind of the spark that ignited it all was while living in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I got to know a lot of the local farmers here. And there was one farmer in particular named Lorenzo Candelaria. And he's a seventh generation New Mexico farmer uh, who you just talk to him and he he's so wise. He's got so much knowledge, so much passion about what he does. And you just want to eat everything that he grows. Yeah. Uh, and that was something that you know, as a dietitian, we want people to eat more produce, more fruits and de- vegetables. And I was like, wow, that that's pretty cool that he has that ability. Even on me, I wanted to eat everything that he grew <laughs> yeah. and try new things, you know? Um, so, yeah. And yeah. if you don't, I'm sorry if, uh, if you don't mind uh, me pausing you for a second. Sure. So you finish your dietetics program, but you don't do the typical thing for your first job. Your first job was food core. And so like what, like what made you decide 
to do that versus maybe doing something more typical of like getting like a clinical job or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I think that it really came from like curiosity and interest and that I was, um, I just wanted to know more about growing food. I knew that it was a big component of the food system. And I also saw in the kids, right. The kids that, uh, were part of that seed to table program, they were really excited to eat the food that they had grown. Um, and I just was so intrigued. I just think that for me being part of the local food community, not just knowing the dietitians, but knowing the local farmers and the policy leaders, just it's such a rich community that I really enjoyed kind of being a part of. Um, and I mean, I think I will say I was young. I didn't have, um, you know, a lot of expenses at that time. So I could do something like food court mm-hmm. and move across the country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've also really liked adventure and travel. So that was part of it too. Gotcha. So, I mean, that makes sense. Like you just wanted to experience something different. And also like, I don't know, at the time were you, um, I don't know, were you nervous at all? Cause like, you know, I mean, maybe you have classmates or other people, you know, that are doing the typical thing, you know, securing like a full-time job working in the hospital or wherever it is. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. How did you uh, feel about that? Or do you even care at the time? (laughs) Honestly, no, I wasn't nervous. Um, But again, I think that's like my personality and that I've I've always Mm. loved going to new places and kind of putting myself out of my comfort zone a little bit. I think that's part of going the untraditional path or entrepreneurship path. You kind of have to be okay with that. And I, I just knew you, I could always become a clinical dietitian. Right, right. So why not try something else for a little bit? Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting though, because, you know, you finished food court and then you were talking about how you actually went and, and then you started working as an outpatient uh, dietitian at the uh, University of New Mexico Health Science Center, right? Mm-hmm. Was there a particular reason why you wanted to, to do that or, or like what led you, yeah. on you to your decision to even go to do outpatient again or yeah. in that realm? I think it was like two-pronged. I think the first reason was that I had just moved back to New Mexico uh, and I was kind of broke and needed a job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and <laughs> like got that, I got that job even before I moved from Hawaii to New Mexico. They were so eager to hire someone. I mean, I was also a good fit. Sure. Um, I had done a lot of kind of group education at that point and I, yeah, it, I just, that's what I mean by, you it, You know, I think most mm-hmm. of the time you can get some sort of clinical job that fits with your right. um, kind of strengths. So yeah, I really needed a job and it was quick and easy. And then number two, I, I did want to get some outpatient or clinical experience. I think that it is valuable to have. Um, so yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. I knew that it wasn't like a forever job, but it, for the moment it was what I needed. Yeah. Like it was just kind of a, something to help you get to like your ultimate goal and, um, which we, you kind of briefly were, were talking about earlier is getting inspiration from, uh, Lorenzo and, uh, I, I'm afraid I don't want to butcher his last name, Candelaria. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And maybe I guess you could continue your story from there, uh, um, as you were talking about getting inspiration from him for what you ultimately wanted to do. 
Yeah. So let's see. Lorenzo, super inspirational. And he actually said to me, I think, you know, why don't we do something at the at my farm and we can do some cooking, do some education, do some just community gathering. And I was like, yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Let's let's try it out. And that was in 2018. And we just kind of gave out some flyers like at the farmer's market and just around the community. And we had a pretty good turnout and it was great. And I think in that moment I realized, all right, this is this is what I want to do. I want to bring people to farms where we can learn about how food is grown, learn from the farmer, and then I can kind of interweave the nutrition and cooking aspect of it all while we're on a beautiful farm outside and just kind of enjoying that environment. And so with that experience that, I mean, it sounds like that led you to what you ultimately want to do, which is your, your business now, which is called the Sprouting Kitchen. So I, I was looking at your website and I saw you guys have it like this super cool new uh, promo, or maybe it's not new. I don't know. But in the beginning, is that Lorenzo? Yeah, is it? Okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. If, so, I mean, obviously, yeah, you definitely got a lot of um, inspiration from Lorenzo. And I was also curious because I was watching the video. I was like, in the beginning, he's like eating a berry. Like, did you guys have to do multiple takes <laughs> on that one? It's like, how many berries did he eat <laughs> during that take? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah. I think like with any sort of video thing. Um, I mean, I did not do the, vi I did not Got it. videograph it. We had a professional do it, but yeah, he took so many different <laughs> takes and views and angles and like, it is crazy to see how right. much different effort it takes to get that right. like one It's like Lorenzo, okay, we just really, just like you need to, this next shot, you really like the berry, you need to eat it like it's going to be like save your life <laughs> or something or like, or it's like the best right. berry in the world. Um, I don't know. It was just, I, I just saw that and um, I just thought it was awesome. And the new video is really well produced. With the other question I had too, because we were talking about Lorenzo is like, I was looking at your logo and you have like a handkerchief, like scarf type on there is that also from like is that also uh -huh. inspiration from lorenzo too <laughs> yeah it is it is um i i am just always inspired by you know kind of people who have been growing mm -hmm. food and mm -hmm. growing community for so long that i mean yeah lorenzo is is a huge inspiration and mentor for me um and he kind of is like he really is a local mm -hmm. icon of the farming community here. So, yep, yep, you're, okay, you're picking well, up on yeah, it. Yeah, I just wanted to, I, I mean, I just <laughs> noticed those little things. And so I just wanted to, yeah, see if that's the, that was the case. And also, like, you know, I haven't, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know Lorenzo. I've never met him. But, like, just saw, just saw the video of just <laughs> seeing him. Like, I feel like I could, like, sit and just, like, listen to him talk. Or, like, you know, like, he just seems, he has, like, a presence <laughs> that seems like he has, like, some good stories to tell in other words totally he really does and like on his farm he has this big old cottonwood tree and it's like the place that everyone sits and talks and just you know nice mm -hmm. shady spot and he calls it the cottonwood mm. clinic so that's awesome i always love that so if, if you don't mind why don't you tell us a little bit about the sprouting kitchen yeah, I would love to. So in the Sprouting Kitchen, we started and kind of our main thing that we do is we host cooking classes outside on local farms. So what that means is that we bring pretty much in, in 
pop-up kitchen to the farm. So we have tables, cutting boards, stoves, knives, really everything that you would need. Um, So participants, they arrive at the farm. The farmer gives us a tour, kind of showing us what um, crops are growing right now and telling us a little bit about their farm. Uh, And then I usually do a, a brief cooking demo and then the participants get to cooking. So it's not like them watching me. It's really everyone is getting their hands dirty and uh, cooking a couple of different recipes. And all of the recipes are focused on the Mm. produce that is available on the farm that week. Um, And then the best part is we get to sit down and enjoy the meal all together. Nice. So, I mean, essentially, I mean, you're bringing, basically you're bringing the community together at some of these local farms Show it, you know, showing like food doesn't just come from the grocery store, like it comes actually from uh, a place and then, mm-hmm. you know, preparing it and cooking it together and, and then eating it together. And then is there like a, is there like an educational component to it as well? I'm guessing there is, but I just wanted to ask as well. Yeah. So, I mean, the main education piece is that a lot of times we're cooking with produce that folks haven't really cooked with or they're not too familiar with, say, Swiss chard or... You know, we have like some radishes or turnips. Yeah, we have some of the typicals like tomatoes mm-hmm. and spinach maybe. Um, but we really try to get a nice variety and maybe some recipes or techniques they haven't used before. So innately, there's a cooking right. education piece there. Um, and then I kind of fill in the gaps with some nutrition education, you know, why eating Swiss chard is good for you. Um, and then showing them some new like, all right how do you chop up Swiss chard in, in an efficient way, right? So kind of cooking and nutrition nice. education. And then who is like your main, like, I mean, like who are your main clients, I guess? Is this like people just from the community? Do you get people from, um, I guess, other places, I guess? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good question. We kind of have um, a couple different audiences. So uh, a big thing for me when I started the business was that I, I didn't want this to be like an exclusive mm, farm mm-hmm. to table, just like, you know, a lot of things in that venue now are, yeah, can be really expensive absolutely. and really exclusive. Um, I didn't want to be like that. So thankfully, because I had worked in this community before, I had a, a lot of great connections here, uh, which helped me to get some sponsors. So Right now, we have a couple different sponsorships. One's a local hospital, local university, Farmers Market Association, uh, and they help to sponsor our classes, which means they pay me, and then um, people can come to the class for free, and we're really targeting a lower income or a um, higher chronic disease Mm -hmm. risk population. Um, So that's kind of our first audience. Our second would be, I have a website and anyone can sign up for these classes. They're kind of just open to the general public. So that's that. And then our third audience is working with corporations. So businesses who want to do like a team building activity, um, we can kind of do a private cooking class for them as well. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like you get a, a wide variety in your audience. And I'm curious, though, you mentioned like, you know, you'll get clients from maybe potentially the hospital and without certain health conditions. So are you, do you do like specific types of education with, with those people or is it just like general, like, like do you yeah. mean like diabetes yeah. or, or do you just like, do general wellness, I guess? 
just general wellness. Maybe when we have more capacity, we could do more kind of like different mm -hmm. disease state focused. Um, but right now it's really just teaching people how to eat more fruits and vegetables, which as dietitians, we know can benefit most oh, conditions, really? <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, it does. Right? <laughs> um, right. Surprise. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that's great that you can get, I mean, because again, it kind of um, keeps things interesting when you can get a, a wider um, variety of, of different clients and, and audiences. Um, one thing I wanted to, to touch base back on is that um, I guess like you know, anyone can have like a good idea, even great ideas, but that doesn't always mean it's going to work out as a business. Right. So I guess when you started this, mm -hmm. were you in the mindset of, uh, if you build it, you know, they will come or like, how did you know there was like a need for what you created? I kind of could sense that there was this need and a, a big kind of sense for me was that talking to the different farmers that I had built relationships with and um, kind of seeing that they knew their farms were a great place for education and they wanted to engage more with their community. But farming is a job and a half, especially during like the high growing season. So I could see that like they, they were very open to using their space for education, but they didn't have the capacity to do it. Um, so just kind of talking to some farmers, Hey, would you be open to this idea? And most of the time people say yes. And if a farmer says no, it's usually just because of the way the farm is set up. They don't have like bathrooms or it's someone's private house, you know? Um, so I think like that was really important to me, just knowing that we had some spaces to do classes, uh, and then talking to the different organizations who now sponsor me, they were also like, yeah, we, we need this and this would be good for our, our, our population and audience. And yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. No, that makes sense that the farmers would be interested in that. But obviously, you know, if, like they can't work the farm for like 12 hours in the day and be like, oh, okay, let's do some cooking classes for, you know, the next couple of hours too. That would just be like way too much. So you kind of saw that. It's something that they they wanted to do, but they just maybe didn't either have the time or maybe uh, the structure or tool set up to to even run something like that. Yep, completely, completely. And then also, I will say, like the the kind of like tester class we did at Lorenzo's back in 2018, when the idea was totally just like a fun concept that Lorenzo and I had talked about. In hindsight, that was like a true beta test, right? We did it. And the community came and they enjoyed it. And then from there, that's when I applied for grant funding and, and went full on. So I do think like testing things out can be very <laughs> Makes <beneficial>. sense. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, you got validation from like doing that beta taste, beta taste. But <laughs> I mean, that, that works too, right? We're talking about food. Um, but anyway, so you got validation from doing that kind of beta testing. Uh, but you also got validation, uh, like you were mentioning earlier, that you got a grant and that grant was from Sikis. Can you talk about uh, that experience and how you went about getting that grant and what that grant actually is? Yeah, yeah. So I had heard about Siggy's Yogurt. They were doing a nutrition entrepreneurship contest and I applied and I won, which was 
yeah, it was awesome. It was just such a great validation that my idea was something, had some some potential to it. And I won $5,000, which, and you know, starting a business is not a huge amount, but it was enough to like get me going and get me, uh, I got some kind of equipment and insurance and kind of those basic things that you need to start with. And they surprised, uh, provided some support. But I think like overall, the biggest thing was just knowing that I had a good idea and that people believed in it. And that was like enough reassurance to really get me excited. Yeah. And I mean, I would say, I don't know, like $5,000 seems like a lot of money to me, but I don't know, maybe for some other people, it's like not that much in terms of businesses. But, but yeah, I mean, it's not, to me, it's not a small amount. And the fact that you were given that amount, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, they really believed in in your idea. And um, obviously you were able to to make that idea into a reality, which is, which is awesome. And again, getting that validation from receiving this grant is, is, was, was, must've been a like great feeling. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think, um, so this was in 2018 and they've continued to do this contest and now they give away $20,000. Can, can, so. can, can you go back and be like, okay, so, um, so can you guys add 15K to the 5K that you gave me last time? Right. I'm like, well, but what about, I got this like years yeah. ago. <laughs> um, so, you know, I was just thinking about as we've been talking, um, you know, there's definitely a lot of like logistical things that you have to consider for your, for the type of thing that you're doing, right? Like you have, you're going to different farms and you're bringing like equipment with you. And, um, that just got me to think like, what is like a typical day to day for you when you're running these cooking classes at a farm? Yeah, that is a a fun (laughs) one. Um, (laughs) it's crazy. I think like it's the whole process starts, like a week or two before really, because I, I asked the farmers, okay, what produce will you have on your farm? And that helps me decide what, what we're going to make. Uh, and I've gotten to the point now where I have enough of a library that even if they tell me like a week before, I can choose the recipes and know, okay, like we're, we got radishes. We're going to make these three different recipes that focus on radishes. Um, so once I know the recipes, I'll do some grocery shopping. Then the day of I make a really in-depth packing list. That's like my key to success is um, a very in-depth list because if I forget anything and everything I store at my house and then I bring it to the farm. So if I forget anything, like I have to go all the way back to my house, which is not very efficient. Yeah. So a really in-depth list, kind of like what equipment, what um, what food ingredients do we need? And then like, what, like miscellaneous things. Um, so once I do that, I have to print usually recipes and sign in sheets and waivers. And then I pack my car and I drive down to the farm. Um, and then I usually have, um, some volunteers who help to unpack and set up, uh, the participants come, we do the class, and then we, sh- you know, pack everything back into the car and there you have it. I mean, <laughs> the way you say it makes it seem like very easy and straightforward, but I'm sure like yeah. it's, that's not the case, right? I mean, there's like, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of things that um, maybe didn't go the way that you planned, I'm guessing. Oh yeah. There's been like time. I think the first class this year, I forgot my cooler oh, at no. my house, like 30 minutes before the class was starting. So we had a wonderful volunteer who drove to my house, got the cooler, brought it back and just saved the day. So 
Yeah, no, because it's just, yeah, you just forget one piece of cooking equipment and then it just kind of throws a wrench in, in everything. Or you just suffer and drive <laughs> back to go pick up whatever you, yeah. <laughs> you missed. Um, and speaking of, you know, you talked about volunteers. So like, you know, because this seems like it, it, it's a lot of work to do. So I was also curious to hear if like, do you have like a team that, that does this or is it just a team of volunteers or like, what is, what does that look like? Yeah. So I think right now I'm kind of still, you know, with any sort of event based business, like catering, anything of this nature, it is so much work, physical <laughs> yeah, labor. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> um, so I've only had two in-person seasons since we started because one was COVID. So we did it all um, virtual and we can talk a little bit about that. But um, when it's been in person, I am really lucky to have, um, I got my graduate degree at the University of New Mexico uh, and I TA there and I'm just involved in their nutrition department. So I get a lot of excellent undergrad nutrition students who need some hours. Um, so I, usually my volunteers are students who, you know, kind of want to help out and check out our program. Um, and they're really great. Uh, I will say for this upcoming season, I'm hoping to hire someone part-time. Um, that's a goal of mine is to like actually have paid staff. Um, I will say though that running a business that's really community oriented and I want it to be accessible is really hard to make it profitable that I could pay staff and run the business. I'm still figuring that piece out. Um, and also like balancing, not burning out from doing so much physical setup and cleanup and all of that. So I've also been trying to incorporate some more like virtual aspects, mm -hmm. hybrid to my business too. Yeah. I mean, essentially it's just you like, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like I think that's, well, one, I think it's really inspirational because I'm sure it's like you talked about, it's, I mean, it's a lot of physical labor, but also like, I mean, it's probably a lot of like mental things too, right? Cause you're like thinking about all the logistics of like setup and like making sure, you know, this is in order or that is in order. So it's like, it seems like it, it's taking like all aspects of like physical, mental, like <laughs> energies to oh like, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, make this thing really work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like try coordinating three different recipes so that there's enough things for everyone to do, but not too much that it's like too overwhelming for the participants and that everything comes is done around the same time so we can all eat together. So right. it's. It's a puzzle. Yeah. So, you know, because that was one of the things I was going to ask, too, is like, you know, what what you find that what challenging aspects you find about like the work that you do. And um, I think for you, like, yeah, the challenge is, is like doing it all on your own for, for the most part. Yeah, it, it is definitely a challenge. And I think that um, it's the reality for a lot of like mm -hmm. businesses when they start off is that you don't quite have the income to hire people. Right. Um so it does often, you are wearing a lot of the hats in the beginning. Yeah. Is there ever any days like, um, where you're just like, I'm, I just want to throw in the towel. Like, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I'm curious, like, um, I mean, I, I could see how this w might be, um, challenging and, 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 and probably draining some days. Yes. I mean, <laughs> that off, that is like, that happens yeah. a lot. <laughs> um, yes. Often I'm like, man, 
I miss those days where I had a job where someone else told right. me what to do. And when the day was over, I was kind of like, I just shut off. Right. Just like, yeah. 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 I mean, that's like a really good option for some folks and, you know, maybe one day I'll go back to that. But for now, this is working for me at this moment. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think obviously like a lot of what you do is driven by your passion. So I think passion can help cut through the, the pains and the, <laughs> the suffering, I mm-hmm. guess, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I think that's awesome that you, you have that drive to be able to, to withstand like the hard days and things like that. Cause you know, obviously, you know, people don't see like all of the, the hard work that goes behind the scenes and like they only see like the final product. So I always like to hear about, you know, the, the struggles too, because that's the reality is like, it's not always just rainbows and butterflies, you know? So I, I'm, I'm yeah. glad that you, you shared that uh, as well. Sure. Yes. Happy to, happy to tell the, the whole part <laughs> <Yeah>. of it. <laughs> so I think also, you know, a little bit ago, you were also talking about like how COVID affected your business. So I also want to circle back on that too. Um, you've really had to switch gears due to the pandemic. And, you know, because the whole, the whole purpose of your, your program was to connect people to where the food was, but due to the pandemic, you had to do a lot of shifting over to virtual classes. How did you feel about that? And how was that, that whole process? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at first, of course, it was really sad and upsetting that I couldn't do my in-person classes for the second season. But then really, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because it it kind of forced me to go into more of the virtual realm of cooking classes. So I did my first virtual cooking classes by the end of March 2020. So like right when things were kind of starting with the pandemic. And I pretty much just taught you know, a cooking class where people would uh, log on to Zoom. And prior to the class starting, I would send out a recipe so that they could gather the ingredients. And then I would guide them through how to cook that recipe. So a little bit more on the like, I'm guiding you through Mm -hmm. the entire recipe, the entire class, and I'm going to talk a lot about cooking and nutrition, which was a little bit different because my in-person classes are kind of like, I talk for a little bit, but it's more about, you know, here's the farm, here's the farmer, mm-hmm. here's some recipes, now go make right. them and I'll help <laughs> you out as you go along. But it was really, really a great experience. And I started teaching classes for a local hospital um, and I still teach virtual classes for them to this day. And we have like quite a uh, a group of folks who love the virtual classes because they can join from their home and it's really comfortable. And I think that the, the silver lining of virtual cooking classes is that for the participant, uh, it's a different type of empowerment. Mm. They have to they have to get the ingredients. They have to navigate the grocery store. They have to have all the like cooking equipment in their house rather than when you come to a cooking class, you're kind of given everything. So you kind of have that how to feel more confident in your own kitchen feel. And then on the other side, like we said, the in-person classes are are amazing, but there's only so many I can do yeah, because yeah. it is so kind of intensive. Um, so this kind of gives me a little bit more freedom to do some things virtual. Uh, and then of course, virtually anyone can join a class. So you're opened up to like an infinite infinite audience. Yeah. So that was the other comment I was going to make too, is that on one hand, it is a bummer that, you know, you weren't able to do as many like in-person classes or that took a hit when COVID started. But on the other hand, like 
it's increased accessibility in terms of like who can, you can just have more people, um, do it because maybe not everyone can make it out to the farm or maybe they're not physically capable enough to like come out to the farm or whatever it is. So on the other hand, like, yeah, you were able to kind of increase accessibility for um, people who want to learn more about cooking and like where their food comes from. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Also, like you talked about the empowerment of like going to the grocery store and um, yeah, I mean, like <laughs> looking for your own groceries. And I think, you know, a lot of people, some people really like that too, right? It's like, okay, you tell me what to do. Like, okay, here, here's the list um, of things that I need to buy and I'll just go out and do it. Um, so on one hand, it, it takes the stress or pressure off of like being like, oh, I got to make this list and like get this and that because I'm not going to lie. I mean, there's definitely days where I get stressed out about like meal planning because oh, yeah. I'm like, um, you know, thinking about the list and uh, yeah. So I think it's awesome that you were able to, to make that transition uh, doing it virtually to really connect with more people. Yeah. Yeah. It really kind of opens you up to a whole different slew of opportunities. I, I've also kind of gotten into teaching corporate cooking classes. So virtually, um, especially now that so many folks work like remote or have teams all over. Um, that's another kind of interesting aspect of teaching virtually. Um, and yeah, it's it's been really interesting. Uh, I think as the world goes from being in a pandemic to whatever we're in right now, yeah. which is kind of this like, we're going back to in-person, These things still feel a little odd and change all the time. Um, you know, we're like in-person will never go away and, mm-hmm. and there's nothing like an in-person experience, right. but we also all have learned that like, sometimes you don't really want to leave your house and right. like, <laughs> yeah. having the option to do something on Zoom right. or on your computer <laughs> is actually kind of nice. Um, so I, I can just I be in my pajamas and just like <laughs> participate right? in the cooking classes. Totally. Yeah. So I'm still figuring out kind of like what that balance looks mm-hmm. like. And there's a lot of, a lot of different things to try out. So I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's a whole new territory for all of us. Does Lorenzo make a like a cameo in any of these, like of the virtual <laughs> classes? <laughs> um, I haven't asked him to join any virtual <laughs> classes. Uh, he's like almost 80. And I mean, he's just he's a f- true outdoors farmer kind of guy. Yeah, so. for sure. I was just I don't know. Yeah. I was just <laughs> It's, but maybe I someday. Had, yeah. And I've had a bunch of different farmers um, join our, our classes oh, okay. and they'll come talk about things. Uh, but I haven't, I don't know. I just doesn't really feel <laughs> like he'd want to, to be right. honest. Right. He's like, what is this? Like, <laughs> we should be out here on the farm. Like, well, right. <laughs> like what is what's this box that we're in? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I should ask him. I, You know, that that makes me think can't assume anything. Yeah. So I was, I was also wondering, you know, I think doing the virtual classes, obviously there's different like logistical issues, probably, you know, your participants, I don't know, maybe they're like, Oh, I don't, I can't log in or they don't know how to log in. Uh, But I was also thinking for you, like, how do you, do you have like a bunch of cameras, like just set up in your kitchen or like, how do you like show people what you're doing? Like you're cooking and then like moving the camera over to like where you're (laughs) cooking or like, you know, yeah, it's funny to be like the cook, the host, and the right. camera. Yeah, yeah. It's a little uh, like I've gotten pretty good at it by now, but it's it's funny. 
Um, so I, how I do it and everyone does it a little bit differently, but I find this works well for me is that, um, I have my laptop kind of propped up and that is showing my face and kind of like me in my kitchen. And that way too, I can see everyone and I can see what's happening in the chat. If there's questions, Mm. I can kind of like, I really like to engage with people. So I'll be like, Oh, Jason, it looks like you're, uh, uh, having trouble cutting the carrot, like, do you need some assistance? Or like, right. wow, your cutting skills are amazing. Everyone, look at Jason right now. So, that's I really awesome. love like calling people out. I think it's a lot of fun. So that's my first camera view, and then I take my phone uh, and I kind of prop it up overhead, and that is an overhead view. So, and I'll, I'll, I can move it back and forth. So I move it from like my, my cutting board to my, um, stove top, mm. which are, which are side by side. Gotcha. So you can always see me and like see me talking and I can see everyone. And then you can always see what's like happening in my kitchen. Yeah, I'm just like picture. I'm trying to picture like you know everyone's just probably there. You know what they're seeing is like you and like the, you know what you're cooking or cutting. But like if they saw like an like a zoomed out view, it's just like like a finagled like oh yeah camera, phone camera here, laptop yeah. here. Um, but I think that's awesome. Like obviously, yeah, definitely. Um, like you have like your own little studio setup, but doing virtual and especially like when you're. Yeah, when you're doing everything, like the host and like the cam- the camera person, like um, I'm sure it can get uh, a little bit um, kind of crazy at times. Yeah, it does. It does. And then you have someone who's like not very familiar with Zoom and they're like, I can't see your cutting board. <laughs> right. And I'm like, you just got to toggle the view a little right. bit. Probably, or like, sw- are you on an iPad? Are you on a phone? Are you on a laptop? Right. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On one hand, like virtual has made like things a little more accessible and convenience. But on the other hand, it's like also just depends on the person <laughs> like in oh, terms I, of like yeah. being able to uh, navigate the whatever it is, the camera or, or yeah. watching. I've or got whatever a, it is. a lot of good stories about like awkward communication or like things people don't realize when they're on Zoom. Yeah. So, you know, like people having like personal conversations. I'm like, <laughs> everyone can hear you. You know, right. it's, it's always interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I don't like the way she's cutting carrots. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> There's always something. Right. <laughs> so I think, you know, as I was talking to you and learning about what you do, I mean, it sounds like it's really, um, just really motivating, inspiring to, to be able to contribute to people's knowledge and, and increasing their food knowledge and also their cooking knowledge. Um, so I guess my question that I, I wanted to ask you too is like, what part of your job do you think you find like either most interesting or rewarding? I think for me, the most rewarding is I love teaching people new skills or new, um, right. Like how Mm -hmm. to enjoy and cook and eat a turnip, right. So often, especially as dietitians or as people in the food world, we're like, Oh yeah, everyone kind of knows what a turnip is or like how to make it taste good. But that is so not true. Like recently in one of my cooking classes this past year, we were making a dish with Swiss chard. And I remember I was like, talking to them about Swiss chard before we got started. I said, all right, raise your hand if you've cooked with Swiss chard before. And like 
two out of 23 people raised their hands. And mm. it was just a big like reminder to me that so many people kind of know their typical things they cook with. They don't really go beyond that. Right. Um, so yeah, like for me, if I can get someone to kind of try something out outside of their comfort zone and say, wow, that's really good. Like I want to make that some more, um, that really makes me fulfilled and happy. <laughs> yeah. So getting them to try something new and then hopefully, I mean, well, they, they may or may not like it, but you know what, at least they tried it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, like I, love produce and vegetables and food so much that like I'm so excited about turnips and I know that a lot of people don't like them. I'm just using turnips as an example, but like yeah, okay. I I want to share the knowledge and I want to share what people have shared with me. I think like food food is all about learning from other people. Like no one really comes up with recipes. Like we all learn from, you know, you heard something there. Like it's all sharing of knowledge. So like to me, I want to share that love and passion and like discovery with other people. Yeah. I mean, and that makes complete sense. I mean, food is like the, I don't know, the one thing that most people can connect with and, and, and have stories about. So it makes sense that, that this would be something that like draws you in to be able to connect with people and, um, just like another, I don't know, another type of language, I guess. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And, and I think that like, vegetables especially are challenging for for a lot of a lot of people i mean yes Definitely. they're like kind of getting a revival and they're kind of trendy now but like there's so 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 much you can do with vegetables in terms of how you cut them how you cook them what you pair them with that can just like we all eat you know multiple times a day so let's make it taste really good and be really enjoyable absolutely and you know one of the things i noticed in one of your videos is that um when you were, uh, on the, doing the classes on the farm is that it looked like there was like families there with their kids there too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's awesome too. So that the younger generation can know, like, this is like where my food comes, comes from. And like, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't just come from when, when mom and dad go to the grocery store and come back like that, that's where the food comes from. So on the other hand too, it's nice that it was nice to see that you had, there was like younger kids there too, to learn about like where their food comes from, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like I got started with all of this in schools and I, there's such a huge like worldwide movement right now for school gardens and getting more nutrition and cooking into schools. And I, I, I think it's so amazing. Um, now I kind of focus more on adults, but we always say that they can bring their family and their kids. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, I think that like kids right now are going to grow up with such a different view of uh, fruits and vegetables. I mean, at least we hope. And I think there's a lot of like work that still needs to be done around that. But compared to like maybe my childhood versus some of the kids that I have interacted mm -hmm. with, it's I think it's a lot different. And I think that's really inspirational and exciting. Yeah, no, I think it's awesome. Like what you're doing. Um, the whole idea is like, it seems like a dream almost to me, <laughs> but you've made it like, or you're, you're, you're making it a reality because I know, like, I'm sure there are a lot of people who have thought of this idea or like, um, mm -hmm. are like, this would be such a great idea, you know, but then that's where, <laughs> that's where it ends, you know? And, um, 
there's no follow up. There's no or there's no follow through. So the fact that you're able to take this idea and make it a reality, get validation, get the funding and turn it to what it is now. I think that's really inspirational uh, and motivational, to be honest. Oh, that's really sweet. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, and I think that, yes, you're right. Like so many, like I get so many RDs and, and people in general reaching out to me. Hey, I want to do this in my community. How did I do it? How did like, yeah. I will say like, yes, there is a lot of like kind of equipment and, and moving pieces and it is a challenging business to run. But my my like long term goal is to help other people build sprouting kitchens or whatever their version is in their community, because every community needs this. And there's just a huge, huge need and, and there's a want for it. It's just kind of like, how do we connect those dots and, and kind of add in some resources to make it happen? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I could totally see that because I do think there's a movement of like being more connected to our food um, because we're so like disconnected at times, right? Mm -hmm. Where Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, we just don't think about like where our food comes from. Like all we care about is that it's there when I go to the grocery store, (laughs) you know, like that's like, that's all that, yeah, that some people care about. So I think it's, it's, it's awesome that, that you've invented this and, um, (laughs) I guess, you know, one other, the one question I had too, was that when you look back, like, do you think this is like where you would have ended up like creating Sprouting Kitchen or like, did you picture yourself like doing something else? Once I kind of got into the nutrition world, I I think I always knew that I wanted to bring a bit more innovation and I've always kind of enjoyed being outside and community-based programs. Um, So I wanted to bring some more innovation to the way we talk about nutrition and Mm, teach about mm -hmm. nutrition. I think like I was thinking about this before, too, that like in my outpatient job, a lot of times when I did group classes, I would give out a lot of like handouts, like talking about, you know, how to get more fruits and vegetables into your into your diet. But like there is nothing like getting people outside and and showing them where it comes from and like that whole holistic piece. Mm -hmm. And I think we're really moving more in that direction and there's a lot of interest. So just a little side note, but yes, in general, I think that I was like always on this path and in this direction because I just saw the need for it. And I've always seen an interest and a possibility in it. Yeah. I think that just keeping your mind open and staying curious is, is what's led me here. I know you've done other interviews and I guess, you know, I wanted to ask like, what's something that most people don't know about your story? Ooh. Um, what is something people don't know about my story? Maybe something uh, that hasn't been asked or something that you've, yeah. you've wanted to share. Mm, this is a tough one. All my other questions I had such a good answer for now. I'm like, <laughs> it's okay. No. And you don't have to have anything. I no, just No, I have to have an answer. <laughs> <You> have to... <laughs> Dietitians or people in the nutrition world need to kind of come to the table around climate change and kind of be more active if they would like. Not every dietitian needs mm, to do this, mm-hmm. but I do know there's a lot of people who are really interested. And I think that dietitians were often left out from the table. You see a lot of kind of people in the medical field or environmentalists, which are all great. Those are all really needed. And chefs too. Like I just think people coming from like the food and nutrition side are not really in that conversation as much. So I think 
that's helped me a lot in that like my background is in nutrition and, and, and cooking, not in those other fields. But I've gotten a lot of respect and people want to hear my opinion, which sometimes I think I get nervous that like, oh, I'm not a farmer. I mm. I don't have an environmental background. Mm. Um, but kind of knowing what your like what my skills are has been, I think, really beneficial to me uh, and kind of bringing those to the table. So, yeah, I would say that's been really interesting, like a, a, an interesting path for me to navigate as um, kind of what my background is, but like kind of right taking this untraditional path. Sometimes it feels a little like, do I belong here? But mm -hmm. I do. And I, you know, I'm not, you don't want to overstep, but kind of like, yeah, knowing what my background is and how I can use that to further our mission. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I feel like that could be like a whole another episode or like a whole different <laughs> like podcast about um, climate change and how nutrition, um, how we can play a role in that. Because I do think like you were talking about like a lot of the emphasis, you know, I mean, like, oh, we need to like electrify our vehicles. Like, you know, we need to cut gas usage in our car. You know, we need to switch to all, all electric vehicles but there's like mm -hmm. not really an emphasis in like well, well how does like nutrition like how can we affect nutrition in our food systems to help with climate change i do feel like that mm -hmm. hasn't really been like a, a major talking point in terms of addressing climate change so so thank you for sharing that and i yeah there could i was thinking like yeah i could have a totally whole <laughs> conversation uh, yes. about that definitely I guess like, uh, you know, my last question, um, and I'm sorry, I know we're almost at time, but I guess like what advice would you have for someone wanting to maybe pursue something similar to like what you're doing? I would say it's all about collaboration. Mm. Uh, yes, I'm the only person employed by my business, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I do classes on other people's farms and I reach out to them and I create relationships with farmers. I get my classes sponsored by other organizations. And what got me to that point is also just being an active member of my community. I've been uh, on volunteer roles dealing with policy here, food policy uh, committees. I've volunteered. I um, One thing I like always tell people who kind of want to meet more farmers or mm -hmm. kind of like get into their local food scene is offer to a local farmer to go volunteer on their farm. Mm. Uh, you might be like picking weeds, uh, <laughs> maybe not the most glamorous thing on the farm, <laughs> but it gets you to kind of A, realize how hard it is to grow food. Um, B, like most of the time when you're on the farm, you're usually like having just some casual conversation with other people. Um, and I just think it like, it's a good kind of way to get your foot in the door um, if in your local food community and reach out to me because I love to talk about this stuff and <laughs> would be happy to chat. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, that makes sense. Like getting to just getting to know your, your, who your farmers are in your area, um, building those relationships and, and, you know, getting that communication and that conversation started, I guess, because that's what it sounds like what you did uh, in the beginning was like building that relationship with, you know, with Lorenzo, for instance, and, mm -hmm. and getting that passion and inspiration from him. And then also, I remember earlier, you talked about how like you have student volunteers too. So for, um, I don't know if you uh, are still accepting volunteers or, or if that's still the case, but if there's any <laughs> students listening who are in your area, if they could, you know, potentially even volunteer with you, maybe also to get an idea of like, you know, what, what you're doing and, and, and all of that. Yeah. 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 I think like 
observing, volunteering is always like a good first step to kind of see if learn from someone, just see if that's something you would want to pursue. Yeah, that's always a good, good first step. I guess. Yeah. I mean, before we end, uh, is there anything else that I didn't ask or you wanted to share before we end the interview? I would just add that if you want to come check out a virtual cooking class, um, we'll be starting some virtual uh, classes, I believe, in February. So check those out. If you happen to be local, come to an in-person class or coming through New Mexico, uh, come to a class We'll start them up in person again in May. Uh, and then I also do a bunch of other like one-off cooking events and dinners and lots of little fun projects here and there. Um, so the best way to keep in the loop is, uh, you know, following us on social media um, and get on our email list. I just want to thank you so much for spending the time to do this and then also sharing your story. I think it was just really motivational, inspirational to just hear about how you went from having this idea to, to making it a reality, because I think, yeah, not everyone can do that. And so being able to, to see someone do it like, like you did, I think people will find motivating and, and also um, maybe uh, set some new goals for, for some other people out there too. Well, I hope so. And yeah, it's been really fun chatting with you. And yeah, I, I am inspired by so many people and I think we all inspire each other. So I hope, hope to inspire somebody who listens to this. When I listened back to this interview, there was a couple of things that I took away from Fallon. That one, it's okay to take a different path than what others might do, especially if you're doing it with the intent of following your passion. And for Fallon, she's doing something she believes in and is providing an awesome service to her community. And lastly, I really hope this motivates or inspires someone out there to follow your passion in whatever areas of nutrition you're interested in. If you want to learn more about Fallon's business called The Sprouting Kitchen, you can find them on their website at www.thesproutingkitchen.org or you can also find them on Instagram and I'll make sure to link both of those in the episode description. And with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And if you're listening to this on Apple podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review. Why I ask this every time? I don't know. But if you do leave one, thank you. If you or anyone you know who works in a unique or niche area of dietetics and would like to be on the show, please reach out to me on social media, LinkedIn, or at our website, www.dietitiansunknown.com, and I'll catch you on the next episode.